podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Good day to you. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast about test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Green. We are recording this episode on the 5th of February. Thanks for all your support uh, by listening to our podcast. Um, do continue to listen to us and also remember to introduce this to your cricket-loving friends. You can find us on Podbean or Apple Podcasts or even Spotify. Just look for Armchair Cricket Podcast or find the links to these in the episode description. Please give us a five-star five star rating on Apple Podcasts um, uh, and share your thoughts in the comments section. You can email us on armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. We are sometimes uh, on Twitter during live matches. Uh, you can join us there for a banter. Now... I have with me Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? Hi, Giri. Yeah, it has been an interesting sort of a week so far for me. Quite yeah. busy at work. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, cricket keeps me going. Let me put it yeah. like this. Also, uh, eventful uh, couple of days, I would say, right? Towards the weekend last week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, before we get into that, let's quickly look back at the trivia question we had asked. So, there was a main trivia question and another smaller one, right? Mm-hmm. So, the main trivia question we had asked was, which is the only batting record remaining from the first test? The mm-hmm. first ever test between Australia and England in 1877 at the MCG, right? Yeah. So, uh, we have not got any positive answers uh, for this one. So, I will answer the question. The answer is, the percentage of runs scored by a batsman in a completed test innings, right? So, this was done by a certain Charlie Bannerman or Charles Bannerman, right? So, this guy has a multiple uh, record set from this first test match. Many of those are the firsts in cricket itself. So, before we go into that, I would just like to concentrate on the one record which still stands as the longest standing batting record. That is that he scored, Charles Mannerman scored 165 not out out of his team's total of 245. So, this gives him a percentage of 67.34%. You know, 67.34% of the teams run scored by one innings that is one batsman's innings so this is still the record for the most number of or most highest percentage of runs scored by a batsman in a completed innings for his team so if you look at the list right most of these are from a slightly different era but occasionally you see a test pop up from the last decade or the last two decades for example at number two is michael slater's 123 out of 184 in 1999 in an ashes test or uh, number three, Lakshman's 167 out of 261, yeah, which is an innings yeah. Yeah, in Sydney, if you remember, yeah. 2000. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. And the number four is then, like, let's say the bolter, the surprising one. It's Greg Brath- Brathwaite scoring 94 out of 148 for West Indies in 2015. Right? So and there's an occasional bolter, but mostly these were records which were in a different era with the improvement in batting conditions, also with the improvement in batting and the equipment. I think batsmen nowadays, um, these rare records, like one person scoring a large percentage of the team's runs doesn't happen very often. But when I look at this list, what I see is most of these scores are big ones. For example, Seymour Nurse scored a 258 out of his team's 417. Even Charlie Bannerman, what I said, 165 out of 245. These are all big runs, right? Lakshman's 167. Yeah. yeah. There are a couple of innings which would be surprising. For example, Asanka Gurusinha scored 52 out of his team's 82, okay. which was in uh, 1990 and so on. So there are, I think, in this list, this is the lowest, smallest score. The score of 52 by Asanka Gurusinha out of his team's 82, even though the percentage is 63, the individual score of 52 is the lowest on this list. But the highest on this list... Yeah, I was going to ask. ...is Don Bradman's 334 out of 566, which is 59% of the team's runs, right? So, and there's also another 299 by the same man, which would amount to about 58 and a half. So, if he went big, 
you can imagine he went very big right we know this um actually i would like to make one small correction i had not noticed that there is there are two couple of lower scores i'm really sorry about this uh, there are two lower scores len hutton once scored a 30 out of his team 52 this was all the way back in 1948 in that invincible tour of you know australia mm-hmm. and then uh, recently as recently as 2018 craig overton scored 33 out of his team's 58 when england right. collapsed to new zealand in the march of 2018 just last year he scored 33 not out in his team's 58 all out right so uh, there are some very shocking scores so this this is a very fascinating read so um let's also this lytton das i think who's who's again very new he, he scored 25 in out his team's 43 <laughs> wow again 2018 so there are these occasional bolters you would not you would not look to you know because it falls quite lower in the amount of percent it doesn't really jump out at you but 25 is probably the lowest on this list i think i can safely say there's a 26 not out and there's a 25 so 25 i think is the lowest on this list and they, they stop at 55% of course they stop so at that 50- probably saved his career i think liton das's career Indeed. 25 <laughs> right all right so some of if i were to quickly run through some of the other records that um, you know charles bannerman has is of course you know, because there are all firsts it was in the very first test so he was the first ever english born player to represent australia he faced the first ball scored the first runs in tests he scored the first 50 the first 100 and the first 150 in a test right because his score was 165 he was also the first batsman to be retired hurt so in the um basically just after lunch on the second day he had to retire hurt because he was injured badly then of course um also he hit more than 15 fours in the innings this is the first and this is still the most runs scored by an australian debutant you know 165 in the debut innings this is still the highest score right and so on and so on so there are many records he holds but the one that will that will probably never be broken i dare say that is his percentage of runs 67.34 in a completed innings so uh, the other question that we had asked was uh, who is the tallest double centurion in tests is it jason holder was the question so we saw that today somebody so today being the 5th of february somebody has asked on quick info whether jason holder is the tallest centurion right mm. and uh, the answer has come that surprisingly tony greg who i always thought was a little shorter than jason holder apparently is a little taller by a matter of a few centimeters taller than jason holder and therefore he i think he had a very nice hairstyle that day that's that's how i think he got taller but let's not get into that and he probably is the tallest centurion but my claim in international cricket jason holder is still the tallest double centurion i would like to hear from our listeners if they have a different view right all right then moving on to the cricketing event from around the world let's first look at the uh, the second test between uh, australia and sri lanka do we, shall we do that kiri yeah let's do that go ahead so if i were to quickly summarize what happened right sri lanka got got beaten in a bad way so this is something we had predicted uh, all along that you know australia may take the brunt of their frustration out on sri lanka and it really happened like that so australia having batted first i think we when we were recording the previous podcast it was the first day of the test and um, you know australia were already in a very strong position and we had left joy burns at 172 172 not out and we were hoping that this guy would get to 100 uh, 200 right unfortunately he failed so he made on 180 but then you have head were already made 161 and then of course there was curtis patterson who converted his overnight score to 100 right and australia declared on 534 for 5 mm. so they gave themselves enough time to sort of you know probably if required to come back and bat again you know, for in the fourth innings but then as it turned out it was never required because uh, sri lanka um, first of all made just 215 in the first innings and then instead of choosing to force the follow on australia chose to bat and here usman khwaja scored 100 so in the first bowling innings of australia stark had already taken a 5-4 so these were probably the two underperforming players in that team so they sort of made up for that right and then of course australia declared at 196 for 3 setting sri lanka an improbable 516 to chase which they could not so they were 149 all out this was you saw this you know this fatigue in the sri lankan team they were really not in the fight in the last innings 
So they just collapsed to 149 all out. Again, Stark took another 5-4. I think, um, and Cummins chipped in with 3. So it it, it was an overall um, a thrashing Sri Lanka received at the hands of Australia. Something you want to talk about in this series, Giri? Anything you want to highlight? Yeah, I think you, you can probably see the difference uh, or, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the level of uh, skills the two teams exhibited, uh, not just physically, but also mentally. I think Australia were tougher. Sri Lanka were probably depleted mm-hmm. uh, in terms of team personnel, as well as in terms of plans or strategy or anything like that. So they didn't, they just didn't have the energy, uh, you know, come to come at Australia and, you know, make a match uh, or, uh, you know, uh, show any kind of fighting spirit. I think they were completely gone towards the end of the series. Uh, I think they probably were also looking forward to, uh, you know, um, ending the series and moving on to other things. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, it, it, it's it, with the World Cup approaching, uh, I think Sri Lanka will probably have to have a, you know, deep, um, uh, deeper look into uh, what they've been doing over the last few months and also mm-hmm. try to build a stable base on which uh, the, the team can perform. I think they, they lack some quality players like Angelo Matthews at the moment. Uh, but once he's back from his injury, I think he will definitely, um, you know, bolster the batting strength. But then uh, they have to reinvent themselves, kind of. Uh, I think uh, they probably have to uh, do a lot of homework um, and uh, be ready for World Cup. Otherwise, uh, you look at West Indies. West Indies are on the way up. So you're going to have a lot of trouble uh, uh, facing teams like that. I think uh, even Bangladesh may be a bit of a handful if... Sri Lanka work to go this route, you know, if they don't pick themselves up, they pick themselves up. I think it's going to be quite tough for them. But I hope that, uh, you know, they will revive themselves and uh, um, come back strong. Indeed. Yeah. Now, so as you say, that test team is really on a trough, on an extended trough, you know, ever since all those greats retired, they're, they're struggling. So just a couple of small things to highlight, you know. I think um, Karuna Ratne had a nasty injury on the first day's play or the second day's play when Sri Lanka batted and uh, I think he was declared uh, clear of all injury. So that was a good thing. So he was able to come back and resume his innings on the third and the fourth days, right? And also, um, I think Kusal Pereira suffered another injury, another horrific, I think Jay Richardson hit him on the helmet. And in this case, for, um, I think Karuna Ratne was hit on the helmet by Stark. So yeah. those those you know frightening Australian bowlers finally came to the fore. Stark took a ten for with a with two five fours in the test, right? So that's one tick, one more tick. Let me put it like this: an Australian sort of uh, uh, to do list, and of course Kwaja scoring a hundred. I think Kwaja also after this match sort of um, spoke a little bit about how um, you know having that experience of his brother being arrested for a you know. A, some terror suspect uh, issues really affected him. So he spoke about this. And interestingly, also, I think there's a, now this this new team ethos of Australia we're able to see under Tim Payne what they're able to do. I think this is very clearly visible because now they're winning. Yeah. But this team now has its own ethos that Tim Payne is able to sort of impart to the team. You can see that. Mm-hmm. Of course, when you look at the total run scorers and bowlers, you see Australia dominating all of it. The top three run scorers are Australian and the top three wicket takers are Australian. Pat Cummins rightfully finished uh, man of the series for taking 14 wickets at an average 7.78. Right? And also Jay Richardson had a promising debut. Stark had a quiet series until he took 10-4 in the second test. So that was a good thing. So he sort of also showed that hunger is still alive, you know. So, I think he found his form as well, right? I think he found his form right at the end of the uh, summer, Australian summer almost. Exactly. Now, well, better late than never, let's say. Yeah. And of course, uh, one one last thing to mention here. Uh, we've just got to know that uh, Dinesh Chandimal has not only been sacked as the captain of Sri Lanka in tests, but also has been dropped from the team altogether. Yeah. So this is this is a bit of an easier reaction from the selectors, right? Yeah, I think they've asked him to go back to domestic circuit and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, spend some time there, uh, hone his skills and then come back. Right, it's a bit that's what they have done, yeah, basically, yeah. Look, he's one of the more experienced batters there. Without without really Matthews in the lineup, there's nothing. Now they head on to South Africa for a full tour, and now Karuna Ratna will be the captain, is what I read. It seems like a really, really interesting and not a good thing to do in the World Cup year. This is not the first time uh, that Sri Lankan uh, you know, selectors have done this. I think they also did this... Uh, who was the other captain who was dropped unceremoniously? 
after a bad series was that Matthews? Matthews? Matthews, yes. yeah. so, Matthews it doesn't surprise me but then again i know um, i don't know what they will do from here they they they, they are going to south africa next uh, yeah. so they will have a couple of test matches there i think five one day matches yeah yeah um, so <laughs> what will they do with this team um, they need more personnel uh, more skills well, Yeah. If anything, they'll need uh, some fast bowlers who don't break down if somebody sneezes on them. No, just uh, yeah. not to put it in his article very nicely. Mm-hmm. It, it, the only only bright spot, if any, is the five four that Suranga Lakmal took in the first innings, first test, right? But then that's about it. He had to also not um, he could also not get to play the second one because he himself was. But is injured. he expected to be fit uh, yes. for the South African series? Okay. Yes. But he could also He's be fit. a captain, right? He was captain uh, briefly. I think uh, him him losing the series against England may have cost his chances. You know, um, too many. Uh, you know, they they keep chopping uh, players and captaincies uh, with Sri Lanka. I think um, they need yeah they they need to give their their players a chance. I think they need to give them a longer run, like yeah. they are doing with uh, you know for example Zafras in uh, Pakistan. They they don't have yeah. any other alternative. So that's a good point. So just to just to finish that point, what you brought up. I think Pakistan cricket board did the right thing by confirming Sarfraz as the captain until the World Cup, so that any divisive thoughts and divisive mm. talk in the media can be. This is what needs to be done. But in this article, Andrew Fernando points out that it it need it needs a grassroots up change in Sri Lankan mindset to cricket. Right? Mm. Anything that happens top down is really not useful. Changing yeah. the people of the board, changing captains, changing the coaches—that is really not the solution. That's what he points out. This is an interesting article. I would like to recommend to anybody who wants to really. Read and, and you know, come to think of it, uh, uh, in 1996 when Sri Lanka won the World Cup, they were they were they had such a nice team back then. You remember they were so strong. Uh, of course, they were also playing in subcontinent conditions. Mm-hmm. And now, 23 years later, I think won how many World Cups? I think four or five World Cups later. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a team right now looks not even a shadow of that. You know, it's just so depleted. Well, it's really sad to see. On the day, Afghanistan and Bangladesh will beat them comfortably. I think even in one day, so it's it's yeah. not a good thing. It's not a yeah. good look. We should But keep an eye out for uh, Afghanistan. I think they they will be in the shorter format and the shorter formats. They're very dangerous, yeah. right? All right. So mm-hmm. if you were to now move on from the pathos that Sri Lanka is facing to some really bright spots that West Indies uh, are now finally looking at, I think, right? Yeah. Would you yeah. like to take us through the second test quickly, Giri? Yeah, let's do that. Um, So second test was I think we we started uh, covering this test match uh, in our previous uh, episode so by the time we Indeed. yeah I think let, let's go through that again so this was played at um, um anti uh, you know uh, antica yes um so west indies had won the toss and they had inserted england uh, to bat first on a greenish pitch which uh, where there was a lot of bounce uh, expected and uh, you know the fast bowlers would find it very conducive um mm. england had a you know it was a modest total in the first innings the top order did not contribute except for uh, bairsto and mm-hmm. some counter attack down the order by uh, moin ali and ben fox apart from that they were uh, found uh, you know uh, lacking in the back, batting department mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but west indian pacers uh, kima roach gabriel uh, and alzari joseph Also holder, I mean they they all bowled well, very tight line and length, and uh, troubled all the batsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, English batsmen rode their luck, and then they managed 187 all out. Um, Roach and Gabriel were, uh, like I said, you know, they were, all the fast bowlers were amongst the wicket. Wickets. Okay. Um, in response, West Indies uh, began very cautiously. Um, you know, uh, old-fashioned way of batting. Grinding mm-hmm. the uh, opposition out, you know the bowlers, uh, um, you know taking the shine off the ball. Uh, the opening partnership was very good. I think uh, Brathwaite and uh, Campbell uh, batted quite well. Uh, they spent a lot of time uh, at the mm-hmm. crease. Um, they basically nullified the threat of uh, Anderson and Broad. So they played, I think, 30, 33 overs until Campbell got out, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think. by then i think anderson and broad had already uh, spent a lot of energy in trying to get these people out of course there was an element of um, uh, surprised with the surprise with the pitch because of the way it was behaving so you mm-hmm. never knew when the bowlers would come in but these two had done their job so the other batsmen 
again the, the top order i think uh, they they made a huge difference uh, when you compare west indies and england there um, shay hope also spent a lot of time at the crease he was a bit more brisk uh, i think compared to the others mm-hmm. but then the standout player in the, in their side i think uh, this is darren bravo uh, he's naturally an attacking player but on this occasion um, he spent uh, about i think 200 200 on 200 balls or something he occupied the crease for a long long time i think 216 so three balls, three, right. three sessions three sessions close easy, to three sessions easy yeah. easy yes yeah and then um, at the end i think they managed 300 and then england uh, in the second innings <laughs> they they were routed they were routed for 132 um, and uh, the fast bowlers again doing a very good job Uh, mm-hmm. West Indies. Uh, I think the top What? scorer for England was uh, Josh Butler with 24, and that say that paints the full picture there. That nobody really uh, turned up for England. They were all uh, completely, you know, uh, routed. They were they were gone. Um, uh, we, we also have to remember that um, unfortunately, uh, West Indies fast bowler Alzari Joseph lost his mother uh, yeah. on um, I think on the third day, third day or the yeah. So when Indeed. he came came out to bat on the third day for West Indies, I think uh, yeah he was grieving. So, mm. but he didn't let his uh, team down. So he bowled well. He got the initial breakthroughs. Uh, to be honest, I think he bowled uh, Joseph with uh, he bowled uh, Denley with a beautiful ball. Yeah. Um, and then I think after that, uh, West Indies were left with a target of how much? I think fourteen runs. Yeah. They finished it off in no time. So in the end, you know, in the end, I think it was a completely. dominating performance by west indies uh, over england england batsmen uh, not delivering the goods west indies i mean but apart from that i think you you really have to commend west indies uh, i think they completely outclassed england on this occasion so yeah indeed it was a very nice match and then yeah that, that's that's about oh indeed so three day test but you know if you're a fan of good test match cricket this was a fantastic match right yeah. i think you've you've mostly covered all the you know the scoring points and the talking points so you've you've done a good job with that and so the only a couple of things i would like to point out what you said about bravo right yeah. that bravo took 216 balls over a 50 this is of course the slowest of his career it's also the slowest by west indian ever right yeah yeah and this places him on a rather un glamorous list you know so this this places him third on the list of all time slowest 50s mm. so this is uh, this is a really um a stodgy or a blockers 11 sort of so to say and i will not go through the whole list but in the top 3 we have um you know um barnacle bailey he was called barnacle because he was so tough to get off the crease you know he used to stick to the crease like a barnacle tower bailey mm-hmm. so this guy took uh, 350 balls for a 50 this was all in the 50s and then of course christavare who supposed to have never played a shot in anger through his career they joke right so this guy took 236 while making a 50 on the way to 82 and this was in the 80s against pakistan right so then bravo is third on that list which is you wouldn't expect for somebody with such a um, such a sparkling stroke play right you would not expect such a guy but i think he had a point to prove and he did it in a very effective way on a pitch where nobody was even ready to or willing to play 50 60 balls or able to play 50 60 balls this guy plays 216 balls as you say spends better part of 350 minutes at the crease right so i think he made his own point i think this 50 runs in this pitch is probably worth three times its uh, you know the number on a different pitch on a pitch that is more conducive to batting probably he would be 150 not out right mm-hmm. so it is a fantastic innings i think he held the innings together all the way and he was the last man dismissed yeah right? and uh, that that more or less did it for england because the western team is riding on such high confidence that they simply blew the england batting team second time around as you say Yeah. you know alzari joseph in spite of being in such a lot of grief took two wickets and of course the captain holder took four and roach took four so roach had two four fours in the game and basically as you say if you if you look at the series stats holder is the top scorer and the top three run scorers are all west indian and in the top three bowlers you have two west indians only number three stokes who had, who has eight wickets so it's it's very interesting so you can see the dominance also in the stats and also in the score line so just yeah. a couple of small things west indies are fully geared up to go on to probably do a black wash uh, white wash black wash right and then holder sort of becomes the first west indian all rounder since sir garfield sobers to top the all rounder chart in tests right since some early 70s this is yeah 
Yeah. Then we got to know he's been banned from the third test because of lower rate. Would you like to quickly run us through that fiasco, Kiri? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, um, so we had a five-day test match which got finished inside of three days, right? Um, so where did we lose time? So we still finished ahead of time. And uh, both teams uh, played such good cricket, especially West Indies. They provided a lot of entertainment for the people who, you know, uh, watch the game from uh, the stadium as well as people uh, who watch them on TV all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were four fast bowlers bowling for the best part of the day, you know, um, and balls being hit all across. I mean, I mean, does it really matter? I mean, if you look at the over rate, I think he was short by only two overs, right? I think he was just exactly. short by two overs. And exactly. if you look at that in the context of the whole match, I mean, come on. I mean, MCC needs to, you know, have a, have a look at this rule. Uh, yeah, unless I think uh, it's a match has the been ICC, but yes, I take yeah, it. Yeah, MCC sets the rule. I mean, laws, right? Law of the game, whatever. Um, so this is such a killjoy, as uh, one of the uh, writers on Cricket Info put it. Um, yeah, Indeed. I mean, I don't know. Like, this is yeah. I think I related that article. You're right. So they probably just enforce the law based on what is written in the book, and the uh, yeah. stuff. It was not into consideration. You know, th- this this kind of reminds me of. Uh, the semi-final match uh, between uh, South Africa and England in 1992. The World oh Cup. Oh God! Yes, that 13 balls, exam- 22 runs. 13 balls, 22 runs. Macmillan is on strikes. It rains. There is a short rain break, and then they come back. It's revised to one ball, 22 runs. How can you score 22 runs in one ball? Exactly. Come on. Exactly. This is one of those things. I think they need yes. to uh, really think about this. This is crazy. Uh, not just using the rule book, but really using common sense. You're absolutely, absolutely. right. Yeah, and uh, you know this this guy sort of deserved to if go to the last test, raise the trophy minimum, and maybe even lead them to three nil. And you're also robbing West Indies of this very key player. Look, he might be culpable as far as the rules are concerned, but there is sometimes mitigating circumstances and not something outside of the play. But in the play, he's only two over short, and it's it's a ninety day ninety over test day. You know, mm-hmm. there has to be some mitigation. There has to be some some way made. It could be a five minute delay. For uh, somebody changing a glove or some such, this is silly. But you're right. According to the rules, he's been banned. So it's and uh, probably he was already on some uh, list, notice list because he was already behind over rates for a couple of series, and therefore it's accumulated to this. But this really robs the West Indies of their most important player and this father figure almost, even though he's not the yeah. oldest. I mean, it's just like uh, uh, I mean, a captain of a football team uh, who is playing in the finals, uh, not being allowed to play because yeah, he had two yellow cards uh, during the tournament, right? I mean, you say no, that's a good yeah. example, and unfortunately, in both the cases, uh, they would be they would be enforced, as you say. So, just going forward, I think just if we were to quickly look at what sort of changes are possible, the third test happens in Saint Lucia, right, and yeah. Darren Sami Stadium, and here, um, I think. From West Indian team, they they, they 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 this is a big blow. They have Craig Brathwaite who can do the captaincy. He's done it before. But in terms of what really uh, Holder is able to bring to the team on the field and mm-hmm. through his performances, this they'll miss. And also, he's an all-rounder, right? Let's not forget it, right? And then so now they have drafted Kimo Powell, who is a full bowler and who can bat a bit into the team. So for West Indians, I would say either it's Jamal Warikan, who's already in the squad as a left-arm spinner, or Kimo Paul, who will step into the squad. For England, if you were to quickly look at it, uh, look, the, the the lineup chosen was very good. They just didn't do their jobs. None of those people who are very aggressive uh, chose to stay and to sort of block some time. What what Bravo did, Bravo showed them what needed to happen on that pitch. Even though it was there were enough you know, uh, things that could go wrong, he showed you could still bat 300 balls on that pitch, right? Or 300 minutes on that pitch. So none, none of them did that job, but for them, at least, maybe they want to bring in Vokes for uh, Sam Curran or maybe even Leach, you know, Jack Leach, the left-arm spinner. So these are some possible changes. But all in all, the match starts in on 9th. So maybe, you know, in our following podcast, we'll cover it. But yeah, or they uh, drop one of their uh, keepers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> I, I think they need the batting. They need all the batting they can get. They had two one fifty or you know between the the two innings they had three hundred and ten runs. So. No, but I think um, I think the, the, the batsmen are also not playing in the right positions um, in the English team. To be honest, would you see some changes there? Maybe I think um, uh, Johnny Bairstow may come in at five probably. 
and uh, Joe Root may go up three, number three. Mm-hmm. Who is their best batsman? Who is their best batsman uh, right now? I have George. It's Joe Root. You're right. Joe, In that so, eleven, it's Joe Root. Yes, it's Joe Root. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, ben Stokes should still come in at six or uh, six, I think. Uh, they also have Moin Ali. I totally forgot about him. Of course. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is a can of worms, Giri. Uh, but I think Butler should come in. Uh, Butler should be uh, number six, in my opinion. He should not come in too early. Yeah. I see. Uh, let's see. So for me, uh, maybe they might also make room by dropping folks, one of the, as you say, multitude of keepers. Mm. And allowing, uh, because he had a bruised hand as well in the second test. Maybe that's an opportunity to let him rest, folks. But he's and a natural keeper, you know. He's he is, natural, he is. Yeah. of course. But then in the given form, given the amount of batting these both guys do, Josh Butler and uh, Bairstow, I don't see them getting dropped. Let's see how it goes. So, yeah, let's really follow up that in the following podcast, one of the upcoming episodes. Right, Kiri? Yeah, so, sure. now, uh, let's switch over to the limited overs leg of the you know ongoing matches so the one that is um, um okay the one that uh, we can quickly do is uh, the india versus uh, new zealand series so would you like to quickly run us through the score sheet for the f- fifth odi giri yeah the the last odi right uh, yeah. this was played at wellington um, so India won the toss and Rohit Sharma said uh, at the toss that they wanted to bat first because um, they wanted to see how they performed uh, while batting, uh, knowing that they had lost a previous game also. Uh, where was that? Was that at the same place? Uh, uh, Hamilton, I think it was at Hamilton, Hamilton, where they were bowled yeah. out for 90-odd runs. Indeed. So they wanted to give themselves another chance, so they wanted to play a bat again and then see how that went. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they had a collapse uh, at the uh-huh. top of the order. They were four down for 18 runs. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I think Ryudu shows his uh, showed his uh, real worth there. I think he showed what a valuable uh, member team member he is. He stabilized the innings along with Vijay Shankar. Um, Vijay Shankar got 45, mm-hmm. uh, and then Kedar Jadav also um, supported Ryudu. He got 34. Pandya at the end, you know, he played a cameo for 45 runs. But then Ryudu, it was unfortunate to miss out on a century. He got it for 90 runs. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But um, I think without that contribution and without the stability that he provided there uh, in the middle order, I think India would not have managed the score they did. They got at the end; it was 252. They were bowled out, though. Mm-hmm. Um, New Zealand bowled quite well. The seamers, um, Henry got four wickets. Uh, Trent bowled again, three wickets. Very economical. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I think it was in the end. Uh, Probably a par score, maybe five or ten run short. I think it was not a bad score on that uh, wicket. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, India wanted to test themselves. Um, they have been good uh, with uh, chasing all these years, uh, especially under Kohli. So this was a good challenge for them. Um, New Zealand started off. Uh, I think they would start. They were quite okay at the beginning, um, but they lost their way in the middle order. I think Kane Williamson's uh, dismissal. Uh, came at a wrong moment for them. Um, mm-hmm, so he, mm-hmm. he got out. He hold out um, in the I think a deep midwicket uh, to Kedar Jadav, you know, a man with a golden arm. He he got the, he got the breakthrough when it really mattered. Uh-huh. Um, and once Kane Williamson was out, I think they were hundred for hundred and five for three when uh, Kane Williamson was got out, and then the, he was the fourth guy down. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, they uh, there were more players who had a start. You know, they could not capitalize, and then. You know, make a bigger score. I think they were not. Nobody was there to finish the job. That was basically it. Uh, but if you were to look at the bowling performances, um, the seamers were okay at the top. I think they were not so expensive, but uh, I think the, they were econo- economical. Um, mm-hmm. um, they had some wickets. The, they shared wickets. Bhuneshwar Kumar, Shami, and Pandya. Um, but the spinners, I think, they did a very good job yet again. They basically. Slowed New Zealand down during the middle orders, uh, middle overs, uh, like they were meant to do, and uh, that basically meant that New Zealand never got a chance to accelerate when they required. Although the real problem was that they didn't have enough wickets in hand. Um, you, you need to remember that they got bowled out in 44.1 overs, so they had uh, nearly six overs remaining, uh, and they were bowled out for 217. So the, about 35 runs in six overs was. Easily possible if they had a few wickets uh, towards the end. Yeah. Um, I think 
um, a fair um, uh, reflection of uh, India's performance uh, in this series, uh, 4-1, um, and also India deserved to win this match uh, because of their performance. Player of the match was Ambati Raidu for his mm-hmm. match-winning innings of 90. Of course. And uh, player of the series was Mohamed Shami, very good. Uh, he bowled really well this series, uh, and I think uh, this will be uh, very good for India if he continues this form. Uh, also towards the World Cup, leading up to the World Cup. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, very nice summary. I think you've summarized more or less the entire series. You've done well. So, just a couple of you know thoughts from my side. One is that, you know, the literally the middle and the lower middle order of India really came through, both both with the bat and the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So, Ambati Raidu was very nicely supported by Vijay Shankar, Kedar Jadav and Hardik Pandya. And again, you can see the same three names. Right, sort of showing up, uh, not Raido, but the others showing up when it comes to the bowling. So this sort of also showed there's a little bit of depth that uh, the opposition will need to contend with while playing with this Indian team, right? Mm-hmm. And also in the chase, I think you hit it on the head when you said Kane Williamson, who had sort of taken up a lot of balls, could not kick on. So this is again where I would say the credit goes to Chahal and Jadhav, the spinners, who sort of kept him quiet during the middle overs, yeah. right? And uh, as you say, the, actually, the, the figures of the fast bowlers, including Pandya, are a little bit uh, sort of uh, bloated because they sort of went after them in the end. But the initial 25-30 overs were very, very well bowled by Indians. They restricted uh, New Zealand very, very much. And then, of course, Latham and Nisham sort of set up a nice uh, nice sort of uh, uh, platform, but there was nobody to finish it, as you say. Nisham was yeah. left to do everything by himself, not enough support. And in the end, as you said, they had run a ball 35 to get when they were all out. That shows you that um, even though they were trying to keep up with the run rate, India always made breakthroughs. So you've uh, you more or less captured all of it. The only thing for me, the only talking point is indeed Mohammad Shami with his bowling has made sure he's now also going to be considered probably for the second fast bowler spot along with Bhuvneshwar Kumar. Now we know the number one is Jaspreet Bumrah, right, who's rested. But in this series, with the competition that they have done, and so I saw this article where they are compared head to head to head and Bhuvaneshwar just comes out a little ahead because of the fact that they can also bat. But given how long the initial few matches in the World Cup and the initial stage of the World Cup goes, I think they will be probably rotated throughout. So Shami has thrown his hat into the ring yeah. to show that he can be the second seamer in the team. Or maybe even the first seamer if they want to, you know, sort of press yeah, Bhuvra. Yeah. This is yeah. point number one. Point number two. I think with the what you said, with the sort of innings Raidu played, he showed the value that he brings to this team. There was no, um, you know, Karthik and Dhoni was brought back to keep. And yeah. as we already discussed to show that seniority, which he did in the field, of course, right? But with the bat, he had already failed. But then Raidu made sure that presence was not really missed. Somebody like Karthik or somebody else like Kohli. So he took this mantle and he showed, he more or less nailed down the number four, I would say. Yeah. Barring something really drastic happening. Uh, he sort of nailed down the number four position in this team going forward up to the World Cup. This is what this is the two takeaways from the Indian team. From the New Zealand team, as you say, they have gone through a lot of variations. They have gone through a lot of permutations in their lower to middle order as well, right? Mm-hmm. And then they also played. Um, Colin Munro got a chance. He made a comeback, but he couldn't really make it count. Probably if Colin Munro had got an interesting 70, 80 or something and won the match for New Zealand, he would have also sort of, sort of gotten a second chance. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it count. That's point number one. Also, you know, they have many useful batsmen in the lower middle order, none of them who went on to finish it. So none of them really took the chance that they got. Mm-hmm. They tried quite a few people, Doug Bracewell, Colin de Grandhomme, Jimmy Neeson, all these people, right, Sandner. And also they brought back Todd Astle in place of Ishodi. But none of these people could really capitalize and win the match. This is the other takeaway for me. So just a couple of quick thoughts. So New Zealand, I think, are going to host Bangladesh, right? And then yep. India will go on to play Australia at home. So they both have their more chances to sort of refine it. But uh, I think this is overall a good series for both teams in as much of rotating players are concerned. But I think New Zealand will be very disappointed with the results. Right? The 4-1 is a yep. very damning result for them. So they, I think with the one day, uh, sorry, the T20 series that starts tomorrow, that's the 6th of February, I think they'll look to, uh, you know, give India a bit of a hiding so that they can get their own back. Yeah. Right? All right. And Rishabh Pant is back, huh? Aha, your favorite. Yeah. Of course, I yeah. was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
So let's see what Rishabh Pant has to say. He's been kept quiet. He's been kept out of the limelight. I think that's a good thing. Now I think yeah. he can come back and seize the opportunity. There is still this one batting slot. I think one batsman sort of all round the slot in the team that mm-hmm. KL Rahul would probably have considered himself the front runner for it. All those events did not happen mm-hmm. uh, with the coffee with Karan. So now I think Rishabh Pant is the front runner for that spot. So I think he, I still see him making the 15. Let's see how that goes. World Cup 15. All right. Now let's go on to the other series, which is the South Africa versus Pakistan T20 series. So we had covered the first match of the series where Pakistan had lost it really narrowly, right? Mm-hmm. Would you like to quickly go through the scorecard, maybe, or shall I go through it? Yeah, you go through it. I think. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look at the scorecard, so again in the second T20, it was a really close affair where Pakistan lost by just seven runs. Uh, or let's say South Africa won by seven runs. I put it the first way because it was it felt more like Pakistan losing the match than South Africa winning it. Because in the first half of the inning, South Africa were sort of not looking like they were going to make 188. There was even a rain delay, right at the end of 16 overs or so. But then um, they came back really strong and got to 188. They were riding on a 65 by David Miller who made 65 out of just 29 balls. After the rain break, he was phenomenal. Like he hit five sixes, right? And then Hendy Van der Dusen made 45, and then uh, Yanaman Milan is one of the new guys. Uh, Yanaman Milan, he he sort of took the opportunity, scored a 33, a little bit of a quiet 33, but a good debut. And Reza Hendricks scored 28. So they had a good, challenging total eh? on this uh, Joburg pitch. It was not going to be an easy target to chase, but the way Pakistan came out to bat. It was fantastic. Babar Azam is really a revelation in the shorter formats, and mm. he scored a 90 out of 58. and then he was ably supported by Hussain Talat right so up until about the 12th 14th over there was no way pakistan was going to lose that match at least that's how it looked like and then in the 16th over babar azam gets out and then suddenly chazif all there has been let out of the balloon and there's nobody that's supporting hussain talat and finishing the match what happened is hussain talat sort of held one end of the uh, batting and so that the other person whoever would come on the other end could go blast off so Asif Ali came, Shoaib Malik, Umad Wasim, Hasan Ali. I think they missed somebody like Hafiz in this lineup, who would sort of lend you that that calmness when such such was required. I think if you remember, he did this in a ODI, right? Yeah. That they missed here. So unfortunately, they again sort of fell away in the back half of the innings, the last five hours of the innings, so the last 25 hours of the match, 25% of the match. Let's say they gave it up, and they lost the match by seven mm-hmm. runs. Again, very narrow. Only other highlight for me is there was a fast bowler called Lutho Sipamla, a right-arm fast. Another of the, it looks like South Africa now have this conveyor belt of really good, if I may use the word, coloured fast bowlers coming through. So you have, um, you know, Lungi Ingedi, you have Kagi Sotawada, of course. Now you have Sipamla, you have Junior Dala, another guy. They are all fantastic, Guren Hendricks. So they they had none of their starting lineup. They had there was no Stein, Kagi Sotawada, um, Duan Olivier. Nobody was there. Still. This lineup came out well, and the other yeah. debutant in the match, right, was Luthor Sipamla, who got just uh, 23 runs given away in four overs. So fantastic, given the context of the innings, right? And he's an out and out fast bowler, right? He's not yes. really a medium pacer. No, no, no. He's right arm fast, and yeah. he's 20. He's 20. What I saw, he was already in the, I think, mid 140s. So that's that's oh, fantastic. Amazing. Unless you're a batsman, that's scary. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it really bodes well for South Africa that they're able to. Get the best out of the system they are trying to implement. Be it this quota system, whatever you may call it. But when players like this come through, it really does not matter. Nobody will be ever able to talk saying, mm. "Why are you enforcing a quota system?" Yada yada. Look at the results that the system is bringing through, and really look at the talent. This is fantastic to see, right? Um, I think credit to Otis Gibson as well. I think he has uh, uh, probably told the domestic circuit to uh, you know uh, groom more fast bowlers because he has that. He wants to have a fast bowling attack, right? And that thing, he was a fast bowler himself, so of course, yeah, you're right, absolutely. Yeah. And also, he played, you know, domestic cricket in South Africa after yeah. their admission. So I think he knows the system very well. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. All right. Uh, so a small point which we already sort of made earlier, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, Sarfraz has been sort of appointed uh, or has been confirmed that he'll be leading the Pakistan team to the World Cup. So all these, all these uh, rumors and rumor mills can be shut down. right so that was the good move by pcb i would i would like yeah. to congratulate them so that they squashed all these unnecessary talk in the air 
so that the Pakistan team can concentrate, go ahead into the World Cup with a positive mindset, with a settled captain, right? Yeah. All right then. So the third T uh, Twenty is tomorrow. It's in Centurion, sixth uh, of uh, February. Let's see how that goes. And Pakistan will want to probably salvage a bit of pride, right? So they've already lost the one-day series narrowly. They don't want to also lose. Uh, the T20 series, they want to try totally salvage some pride. The series is gone, but they want to maybe go away with a bit of pride also. Shoaib Malik uh, in his second coming as a captain has not been successful. Maybe he wants to stamp his authority on the game tomorrow. Right? Mm-hmm. And Hafiz will be available, I think, for Pakistan. Yeah. yeah. All right. If you have anything to add, if not, we can go back to the India, the final of the Ranji Trophy. Shall we? Yeah, let's go. Let's do that. Let's go ahead. All right. Will you take us through the scorecard quickly, Giri? Maybe. Um, all right, let yeah. me do it. Uh, sorry if I surprised you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. My bad. Uh, because I, I thought I took a lot of time with the scorecard of the South Africa-Pakistan match. I thought yeah. you might want to take it over. Not a problem. So if you were to look at the Ranji Trophy final, the ongoing Ranji Trophy final, so two days of play has been completed. Right? So... Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm sorry, three days of play has been completed. So, first of all, Vidarbha batting first has scored 312. And in reply, Saurashtra have scored 307. So, effectively, they have cancelled out each other. And Vidarbha returns a fire on which, which which is neither here nor there. So, in the second innings, they have scored 55 for two. So, effectively, they're 60 for two. And this is a one-inning shootout for the premier first-class trophy in the country, in India. Right? Ranji Trophy. So, if you were to quickly look at the top run scorers. So, um, Saurashtra sort of, uh, before we go to Saurashtra, Vidarbha was sort of struggling. They were uh, sort of uh, 100 and, um, you know, 39 for 6. And then um, it so happened that um, they had a sting in the tail. So, their lower order contributed heavily and took them to 312. Again, if you were to look at the um, Saurashtra innings, the same thing happened. So, you know, they were again having a big sting in the tail. They were again, you know, very, very, very much in trouble at 5 for 131. But then the lower order bailed them out. Um, so again, Pujara, who was very much in the news, um, they sort of worked him out, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So would you like to quickly take us through what happened with Pujara? Maybe in a minute or so. Well, I mean, I read an article uh, somewhere on Quick Info. I think uh, <clears throat> this guy, Sarvate, is that the mm-hmm. name of the guy? Yeah, Sarvate. Sarvate, probably. But Sarvate, no. sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, as well. I don't know the full right pronunciation. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Apologies to Sarvate. All right. Um, I think the, the trick was to have a lot of close in fielders. So on both uh, the, the offside as well as the onside. So the silly point as well as the short leg. Um, so Pujara was kind of, uh, I think it was still early in his innings. Uh, how many balls did he play? I'm just looking at the scorecard myself. I think he only played uh, 11 balls. So you're yeah. absolutely right. First 10 balls mm. or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think. And then uh, it was kind of, um, the, the basically, uh, he could not just prod, a, prod forward and, you know, push the ball away towards the offside or the onside. So mm-hmm. there was always a guy, uh, you know, uh, under the lid, like they call it. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of stifled, uh, and I think this is maybe a way to, uh, you know, this may be a trick to get him out early in the innings. I think this may be one of the things they, the Australians missed um, uh, back in Australia when uh, India had such a good series there. Well, um, so, uh, and then I think uh, he just tried to uh, move back, uh, you know, play a ball um, off the back foot for a ball which was not short enough. And then he got an edge, and then uh, Wasim Jaffer uh, um, caught it at uh, the slips. I think the first slip. Um, wow. So it was kind of uh, he. It was a good length ball. He did not come forward um, mm-hmm. enough, or um, so he went back. Uh, but I think it was too uh, too full to uh, play a cut or something like that. So this may be a way to get him out. Maybe he will work on it. I think he will probably sort this out himself. But mm-hmm. this may be an opening for people who think uh, they cannot uh, dislodge him, dislodge his wicket. Of course. No, but yes, there will always be chinks in a defensive armor. And as you say, yeah. rightfully, uh, the slow left-arm bowler sort of found it and exploited it. And yeah. probably, as you say, he was never allowed to find his feet in, on the crease, right? 
Yeah. And eventually he was in no man's land when he nicked one to slip. This is this is well well uh, thought out as you pointed out, mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. So maybe teams that are looking at uh, how to get Pujara out of after what he yeah in Australia right all right so now with two days remaining i think it's 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 anybody's game really it's well balanced we don't know right mm-hmm. let's see yeah. uh no problem so uh let's let's really let's really see who can take the trophy i still back uh, as as i said in the last uh, episode i still back vidarbha to retain the trophy let's see how it goes all right now uh let's quickly look at some miscellaneous topics really small topics yeah right? so I'll, i'll quickly run through them so first of all Angelo Pereira who sort of already represented Sri Lanka at the highest level only in a handful of matches mm-hmm. has done something that has not been done since 1938 so what he has done is he's gone ahead and scored um two double tons right two double hundreds in a first class fixture this is this is this is amazing i find that you know in this day and age even in first class cricket in sri lanka they are able to do this so i was reading an article and i quickly uh, were to summarize it the selection panel in sri lanka demanded that there be more grass on the pitch mm-hmm. so that not all spinners take the lead when it comes to taking wickets unfortunately what has happened is that has made the wickets a bit bind tightly that means it's become really good for batting so suddenly the whole first class scene has changed in sri lanka where there are a lot of double hundreds i think i, I think i read 11 or 12 double hundreds in a matter of six or seven matches right including these two so angela uh, angelo perera sort of you know Uh, has been able to do it it has not been done since 38 where a kent batsman called arthur fag uh, who was also very young did it in colchester in, in before the world war second world war and then this guy who was representing um, you know nondescript cricket club did this so this is a nice thing to for all, all of us to remember then if you were to look at um, for example uh, there is an interesting article i saw Uh, from shastri uh, ravi shastri not the article but his comments where he says you know clearly abroad outside of india in the you know the southern hemisphere so to say and on the bouncer pitches it looks like he believes kuldeep is the lead spinner because he's a wrist spinner he sort of overtaken both ashwin and jadeja who are um, finger spinners and now because of his performance entirely in sydney right he's completely leapfrogged ashwin who has more than 350 and jadeja who has more than or nearly 200 wickets to become the lead wrist spinner in the uh, abroad you know in the conditions that are outside that was very interesting so and also the other thing i think he was jovially saying this is very ravi shastri thing to say that uh, you know he was going to call up pujara and uh, um, tell him stop batting man go home take some rest you know you've been playing in actually now you want to play continue playing for your state team but we should also appreciate the consummate professional that pujara is right yeah. he loves batting so much he'll bat anywhere tomorrow if you call him to bat for the jalandhar railway canteen i'm sure he'll go bat for them right right, right. Yes. and karaoke will be very happy of course of course so but in his inevitable style this is what ravi shastri had to say about how pujara plays right so coat or bat him Pujara smells the leather whether he's playing forward or backward defensive no one smells the leather in defense better than pujara you can ask him if it's christian dior or armani apparently <laughs> so you know the the commentator or the summarizer in ravi shastri has not gone away this is very clear yeah. all right so this is just some anecdote funny thing but of course uh, in in a rather unfortunate turn of events something happened around the 18th of january which only came to light for us recently this was brought to light by a podcast called cricket kannadiga podcast it's a podcast in kannada language so those of us who speak kannada or from subcontinent may want to hear to this right so it's a podcast uh, where they talk about the roundup of cricket uh, maybe they do it once every two weeks or so but in that they mentioned a point that mushir khan who is the brother of uh, the rather infamous sarfraz khan who is from mumbai but went on to represent up in uh, ranji and then of course also plays for rcb last year he's the mushir khan is this guy's brother and he as a captain of the under 16 team got banned for 3 years mushir khan who's hardly 16 has been banned for 3 years by the mumbai cricket association this has come uh, as a very let's say unfortunate thing because 
this this family has slightly a bad name if i may use that term because you know sarfaz khan was also a prodigy batting but then he he had some weight issues and he wouldn't listen anybody uh, when they told him you need to exercise a bit more you need to you're still very young you're still under 20 you can get your body structure under control right and he even got selected to play for rcb where after a couple of matches i think kohli ended up saying something like you know he needs to be a bit more professional he needs to bring his weight under control something like this it was not a very nice thing to hear because apparently he's a batting prodigy but he shows a bit of attitude both on the field and off it so that that doesn't bode well right so that's why you know something unfortunately i think the younger brother has picked up a few older brothers bad habits maybe as we say in india i hope you know this young lad sort of makes up for his lost time and losing 3 years is too much i think even at under 16 level it could be yeah. yes it could be crucial it's a grooming period yeah sorry all right now um, these were all the sort of miscellaneous events so now we are back to the last thing that remains which should be we have a new trivia question so yes uh, of course let me quickly go through the trivia question and maybe we can also revisit the issue of smith you know steven smith whether he comes back right so yeah. let me go through the trivia question so the trivia question is um now in the history of test cricket in all of the 140 years or so of test cricket history there's only one tri series of test that's tests that's ever been held you know and i'm not talking of something like an asian cricket championship or a upcoming world cricket championship of tests no so this is really a tri series much like an australian tri series that happened all through 90s and early 2000s right where there were three teams in the same country and they were sort of playing each other while the third team waited so to say so this has happened only once so i would like to ask our listeners when and where was the only test tri series held and who are the teams that played in it this is a question trivia question i would like to point out you can get back to us using our mail id amchair cricket amchair.cricket@gmail.com or on twitter at amchaircricketpod so we are very curious to you know see what inputs you have and what answers you have for us right so we'll be very uh, eagerly looking forward to your answers please do write in all right now if you were to just go back quickly to the point of steven smith i think uh, that's a that's a good point uh, giri thanks for reminding me about it i think i had forgotten about it earlier so what are your thoughts on steven smith's uh, rehabilitation from elbow injury mm, yeah i think we spoke about this offline as well uh, both uh, steven smith and david warner will not be part of the leadership group as they call it uh, in mm-hmm. australia there mm-hmm. so they probably mm-hmm. will not be uh, captains again in either formats um, but steven smith has had this uh, injury you know to his elbow uh, mm-hmm. it's probably not fully recovered um, so i think they're probably looking at ashes right now so they want they would uh, like him mm-hmm. to be fully fit uh, for the ashes uh, after the world cup he may even skip the world cup you know um, they probably bring in david warner but i think steven smith smith will um, probably skip the world cup and uh, play the ashes off right after that uh, yeah, just to allow sense. you know more time for his recovery as well as you know uh, maybe that's that that's his future i think they will look at him more more of uh, as a test batsman rather than a, a white ball player and finch will uh, you know captain the world cup team uh, all right yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like something and also from what you point out we don't know if and when these both may even ever get an opportunity to captain an australian mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. and that means probably pain is sort of uh, penciled in as the skipper for ashes as well because there are no other tests between now and ashes right for australia so you you might be right and i think sort of pain also showed up a bit of his uh, reputation by getting a 2-0 victory against uh, sri lanka doesn't matter right a victory is a victory you take it against him <laughs> so he yeah, got still a test team yeah yes yes so that's that's good good on him and i think there's this continuity that really helps i think pain himself is growing as a captain you know it's not released really to captain at the highest level so i think that's useful all right then so um i would say i would encourage all our listeners to continue listening to us and you know there's quite a lot of cricket coming up we we're going to look at the t20 series versus uh, new zealand for india right mm-hmm. and then uh, more uh, probably the shortly the full tour of uh, sri lanka yeah 
rather sri lanka's full tour of south africa will start also bangladesh are coming to tour new zealand so plenty of cricket still left to look forward to and of course week. the last test match at uh, st lucia Oh yeah, yes, well done, yeah. well done, well done, and the remainder of the Ranji final. So, plenty yeah. of cricket can discuss in the upcoming episodes, Kerry. Right? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. All right. So, an exciting couple of weeks coming up. Okay, then, guys, thanks a lot for listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. I would like to thank Giri for his very useful contributions, and I think he he sort of reins me in. I tend to run away with the topics. Thanks for that, Giri. And thanks, uh, uh, all right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Giri. and uh, all right then guys have a nice rest of the day and rest of the week and uh, hope you keep listening to the amchat cricket podcast goodbye bye you're listening to the amchat cricket podcast